Burlesque Stripped Down, episode number 41. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is, of course, Velvet Eau Claire, your guide through all of the behind-the-scenes, sexy, sultry, sometimes not quite as sexy as one might hope, all of those secrets of us, the ladies and gents, behind the tassels. I am very excited today to bring you an interview with the Liverpool lass herself, Miss Millie Dollar. Now, I first heard about Millie in the Burlesque Big Sister Big Brother Facebook group, where she was actually mentioning a talk that she was going to be giving regarding burlesque and mental health. And I just found it to be a very interesting topic, and so I got in touch with her. And then over the few months, as we tried to get some scheduling worked out, um, I just was more and more impressed with some of the feedback that she was giving on other people's posts and the discussions that she was starting in that Facebook group itself. So I was really um, excited when we finally found a time that worked, and I'm very, very happy to be bringing her interview with you here today. Also, later this week, I will be giving you more of a deep dive. In her hot tip episode, we talk a lot more deeply about the idea of mental health and burlesque. So definitely tune back in for that. Um, It's a really, really important conversation to be having, to be continuing to have, and we would love to hear your feedback on that episode as well. Before I launch into the episode, um, I do want to thank you all for um, for listening. We did actually recently pass 5,000 downloads on this podcast, so I am very, very grateful for that. Um, I would love to keep that number growing. My next milestone is 10,000, which will be a huge, um, very, very exciting day. So please do, if you are a first-time listener uh, listening to hear Millie's great story, please think about subscribing in your favorite podcast player app if you don't have one of those. Um, if you're an iPhone user, it is built into your phone. If you're an Android user like myself, my personal favorite is Player FM, um, but there's a bunch of different ones. You can find us also on places like Stitcher as well as Google, the new Google um, Google Podcast app, I think they have, or at least on Google Music, we are there as well. So definitely, if you um, if you like what we're doing today, subscribe. You can hear all of our old episodes as well as the new ones as they're released every week. Um, definitely as well share with your friends if you like what we're talking about. We're hoping to get in front of as many ears as possible and kind of get get the word out there. We'd love to hear from as many different people from around the world as possible. So I really appreciate your help with that. Um, and I also, of course, as always, welcome any feedback you have on the podcast itself, velvet at burlesquestripdown.com. But enough about all of that. I really want to get into Miss Millie Dollar. She is awesome. She, uh, you know, as she says on her website, she epitomizes the golden era of bump and grind. She puts the sex back into burlesque. She sets stages, hearts and souls on fire. And she is an internationally acclaimed burlesque star. But she is really so much more than those things because she is an amazing person to talk to. She has some really great insights from over a decade of performance and is truly an authentic, genuine person that I just really, really enjoyed talking to. So without further ado, here is my interview with Miss Millie Dollar. You got that right, ladies and gentlemen. I do have the fabulous, the beautiful, and the talented Millie Dollar here with me today. I am so excited. Um, I've been kind of, you know, Okay, maybe a little bit of Facebook stalking, especially in our burlesque big sister, big brother Facebook group, um, because I just think Millie has some amazing, amazing things to say. She is, uh, comes to us out of, as she puts it, the back streets of Liverpool. So I am really excited to dive into Millie's story and her advice for you today. Welcome, Millie. How are you doing? Hi, I'm very well. Thank you. I, mean, I started out on the back streets of Liverpool, but I seem to have now, like, you know, gone off in the world. Nice little <laughs> flat near the park. 
Uh, actually, what? over the road from where I was born, so that's, that's kind of weird. Um, but yeah. yeah, been around Very the world cool. and then come back to the, pretty much the exact same point. <laughs> <laughs> that's too funny. But you get to travel a lot, I assume, with your career. Yeah, I've uh, been all over the place, but it gets to that point where, you know, when people ask you, so where where have you performed? Where have you been? And you start uh-huh. to feel a bit of a twat just listing all these places. <laughs> the point where you're just like, oh, I've been around, you know. <laughs> Yeah, let me tell you where I haven't been. Maybe yeah, that's easy. <laughs> um, but then it's because as soon as you you mentioned that you you go to America or around Europe, um, everyone's like, "Oh wow, where? Oh well, you know, there's like how many countries in Europe?" <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it might take a while. I mean, there's one less now, unfortunately. But <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, what is going on? We we don't even need to get into um, that. I my too, mind there's is too blown. many politics there. You know, exactly. That's a dangerous yeah. territory. Yeah. but so clearly you've been performing for a while. Why don't you tell us just a little bit? Um, give us a kind of quick recap of your life, your story, just for those who uh, might not be familiar with you. Okay, well, um, I started performing about ten years ago. Um, so when I started out that I didn't really know uh, any, any other performers really, there, there wasn't as big a scene in the UK, it was still very much a new thing here. So a lot of my uh, my sort of inspiration and my reasoning for getting into burlesque was from the American neo-burlesque scene. Um, so when I did start performing, I probably wasn't great because I hadn't had any lessons and I didn't have anyone to help tell me what to do and what not to do mm-hmm. so uh I kind of had to grow from there a bit and uh really work hard to get to a point of being semi-decent which uh, I've been living <laughs> off for a few years now so that's uh doing hey, semi-well <laughs> there you go so, yeah so I've gone from um performing in little dive bars in Liverpool and dancing with surf bands which is always great fun and I still love to do that whenever I can Um, and so now traveling all about the place is just doing all sorts of weird and crazy wonderful things. Oh fantastic I love it so what do you have you have a lot of things that you've um, been doing over the years what do you have going on right now that you're the most excited about? Well right now um, I am uh, for since 2007 I've been producing shows um I've been producing my own show called the Martini Lounge but I've also been producing a show called Dadalesque and this is an all deaf and disability arts uh, cabaret burlesque show um oh, wow. and this year we're bringing it back with not one but two nights of the show and um, with the second one being burlesque from Biscuitland um this will be <laughs> featuring Jess Tom who is also known as Tourette's Hero um, uh-huh who, if you haven't seen her stuff, look her up um, on YouTube, on Facebook, Twitter. She um, has about 6,000 different ticks a day, and oh, wow. um, ranging from the most very, very surreal kind of thing. Like, my favorite of hers was um, Your Mother Gave a P45 to a Lemongrass Plant. Um, all right. Very, very out there things. And like <laughs> um, so she is going to be comparing a burlesque and cabaret show. That is so cool. So we have no idea, including her, what's going to be said. That's which is it keeps it interesting. Absolutely a, an amazing show because she is a brilliant talent. Plus, we have some amazing performers that I've been dying to have on for years and years, like Doris oh, Latrine, mm-hmm. who does handstands on a gold toilet. 
uh, <laughs> which is like a, a personal monologue piece. Um, mm. And Ed Muir, who is an amazing Chinese pole artist, and also, luckily for me, my husband, so I get good rates. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So that, right. And when is when is that show happening? It's happening on the 19th and the 20th of November this year, and it's part of Dada Fest, which is a deaf and disability arts festival, which goes on so for two weeks every two years in, here in Liverpool. In uh, Liverpool, excellent. Yeah, I, I'm actually one of the... Uh, I, I'm a assistant festival producer of Dada Fest, so when I'm not stripping, um, I'm working <laughs> with them to create some absolutely amazing events, and it's been really exciting to see how it all comes together. Fantastic. That's great. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to, I probably won't be able to make it across the pond, pond for that, but I'm looking forward to seeing some things all over Facebook and everything about I'm it. I'm sure there's going to be photos. <laughs> <laughs> there must be. It is burlesque after our cabaret after oh, yeah. all. And and the Martini Lounge uh, show that you produce as well, is that a monthly or weekly? It's been um, every few months. So it, few it's months. changed great. quite a lot. Cause we, I started it back in 2007. Um, and we've grown from venue to venue, but we've had a bit of a year break. Um, mm. So we are making our plans for a comeback uh, very soon. Uh, we've yeah. got some really exciting things in the work, which sadly I cannot reveal just as of yet. But might, okay, we understand there might yeah. be you know some top well, secret projects we happening. We might be uh, changing the show from the your regular burlesque cabaret show into somewhat more of a story. Ooh. So, well, I look forward to hearing about yeah, that. As, I even have as, a director on board and it's going to be amazing. So very good. <laughs> very good. I love when we, you know, I mean, I, I love, don't get me wrong. I love a classical, um, a classic type cabaret and burlesque show, but I also love when people kind of can, can, you know, meld things, whether it's melding the, the script and the, the scripted theater aspect or bring in technology or, you know, different things like that. It's great. Yeah, because it, the scene, it has uh, changed so much and grown so much here mm-hmm. in just in the UK in the past 10 years. I mean, it's grown all over the world. Um, but it's getting to that time now where people are getting a lot more experimental and things are really changing very, very quickly. And it's quite an exciting time to be involved. It really is. Yay. So tell us a little bit. I mean, you mentioned you've been performing for over 10 years now. Tell, let's go back to the beginning and tell us a little bit about how you got started. I mean, what was there a particular moment or a performance that you saw that made you just kind of know that burlesque was something you wanted to pursue? Well, it's a bit weird from when I started because when I uh, when I first actually kind of started practicing burlesque routines, not really knowing what it was I was doing, I was probably about thirteen. Uh, so, <laughs> and I I would remember like being in my room and practicing some uh, strip teasers. And, oh, that's uh, funny. Uh, I remember one time my mom had found a vintage pair of 40s stilettos with a, uh. a metal tip on the um the heel and I was doing this very elaborate strip tease in my bedroom at the age of maybe 13 <laughs> 14 uh, I did a move where I kicked my leg up but sadly the heel came off flipped and then got me right in the forehead and that left a Ooh. lovely scar so not only was I strip teasing young I was also getting injuries from strip teasing young <laughs> there you go <laughs> yeah but uh, I grew up on uh, watching a lot of musicals and a lot of those big song and dance numbers and I realized that it was just too late for me be- to be Betty Grable so mm-hmm. anything that I could do that meant a stage elaborate costumes and dancing around I was pretty much up for. And then what kind of, um, 
you know, what was it that made you start uh, kind of performing on stage as opposed to just in your bedroom? Was it just really a gradual progression like that? Yeah, or? well, when I found out that it was a whole thing, a whole scene, a whole movement, um, I researched absolutely everything I could. And even to this day, I say research is such an important thing for anyone who wants to be a performer. So knowing the history, um, knowing all those weird little stories um, from backstages in 1930s, 40s, 50s, um, but just realizing like where it came from and how it became such a thing. Um, and from there, I just absolutely fell in love with the whole idea, the whole history, the whole movement. And um, I, when I kind of started in the UK, there wasn't the feminist burlesque movement really taking shape as much. Mm. Um, so I do remember when I first started performing shows, there were there was a group um, of feminists in Liverpool who were planning to protest my show. Oh, wow. Yeah, so, which is sad, but um, luckily one of my friends was involved in the group and turned around to them and told them what it was all about from everything mm. that I had told her. Um, so she mentioned that it was empowering and it was embracing femininity and sexuality, but in, in a self-controlled kind of a way. Mm -hmm. And um, I think a lot of them actually attended the show in the end because they, oh, they, they love the sound of all of that because I've always been quite uh, out there feminist type, mm -hmm. um, which really pisses me off to this day when people say, well, what does your husband think when you... Oh, get on stage and I'm like well he's probably on after me so <laughs> he, does, he does the same bloody thing <laughs> did you did you meet through um the kind of the cabaret burlesque world or yeah we met um god knows how many years ago it probably would have been like <laughs> nine years ago or something um but we never we never spoke to each other we didn't ever um have shows together um we didn't interact uh, until a couple of years ago when we became friends and then it all developed from there, you know. Yeah, <laughs> you know absolutely. <laughs> sure. And if you don't mind me asking, I mean, so at this point, do you did the two of you kind of work together, or is it pretty much you have your own separate careers? And if your paths cross, that's great. We have uh, separate careers, but okay. uh, we do have a lot of people that book us together, um, which is really nice, and it saves us yeah. on hotels. So I'm sure that that's that definitely nice for them. Um, but we do have um, a, a double act that we're working on. Um, and I do occasionally assist Ed with um, his whip routines, which is a vaudeville-style whipped routine, um, where I am the, the glamorous assistant. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he's also helped me uh, branch out into new areas as well. So he taught me uh, how to use whips. He taught me how to do fire. Um, and then got really annoyed when I proceeded to be better at doing fire than he was. <laughs> it's the lady's job. Yeah. 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 I just, I do it so much better. I've got, a, I've got the mouth for it. <laughs> hey, we've all got our skills. <laughs> I, I don't That's think great. my natural talent would be fire eating, but there you go. <laughs> well, anybody who listens to the podcast knows that I really like to discuss um, the reality of life as a performer in general and um, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And so recently I discovered this kind of acronym. Um, I didn't make it up. I can't take credit for it, but um, it's, I call it the AFOG and it stands for another fucking opportunity for growth. Right. And I love the idea behind this, it's this idea that sometimes things go wrong and things get fucked up and maybe you make a mistake. Maybe you're just in a bad situation, whatever the case may be. But the idea is that we reframe it 
and look at it as an opportunity for growth. And we add that fucking in there because it's just like, man, what the fuck? Another fucking opportunity for growth, right? So taking these bad situations and reframing them. So I'd love to know if you've had any of those moments recently where you've had just this, what you could turn into an AFOG moment. I'm always kind of grabbing and seizing every opportunity I can because I I always think that you'll never know unless you try. Um, So the only things that, I would say would be just regrets of thinking, oh, I wish I'd done that show uh, or I wish I'd uh, gone to Burlesque Hall of Fame sooner or, uh, you know, those kinds of things. As a performer, you're always growing. Absolutely. So, I, Yeah, I love bringing up the idea of regret because that is, that's a classic kind of opportunity for growth, right? Like if we have regrets in our lives, we can, there's basically two ways we can go with it. We can either like sink into the regret and just be like, sad about it and miserable or whatever, Um, or we can kind of change it up and and think of how we can grow from that. Yeah. And I think the, the past year, uh, year or two for me has been, uh, an entire two years of trying to grow as a person. Um, so I did actually stop performing for about a year. Mm. Um, and after, uh, at that point it would have been nine years of performing. I had to step away for a while. Uh, but that actually was, a very positive thing for me to do because it then meant that I came back rejuvenated and new ideas and pushed myself harder than if I had carried on. Um, so to get that time to reflect on myself and work on me as a person and then mm. come back to working on myself as a performer, um, that was an, an amazing growth opportunity. Absolutely. An AFOG, another opportunity for growth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. So currently as a performer or even as a producer, what is your biggest struggle as an artist? Um, uh, well, it's been kind of a, a bit of a lifelong struggle, I guess, but it's something that always has hung over me as a performer. Um, and that is my hearing issues. Um, I am actually a hearing aid wearer. Um, okay. so I wear them on stage uh, a couple of times I've nearly thrown them out of my ears on stage because I do too much hair work <laughs> oh. <Uh-oh. laughs> um, I was actually born completely deaf um, oh. I had three operations to get grommets fitted um, one in the UK on the 80s NHS which did not end well and then the other two was luckily when my parents were living in Australia so it, I was looked after a lot better there. Um, but as I've grown older, that it's always deteriorating to the point where it's only in the past year or so I've started to wear hearing aids all the time. So it has been kind of at the back of my mind, like, is there going to be a point where I um, can no longer hear the rhythm because I'm very much a music-based kind of performer? Mm-hmm. Um, so I have discussed it with a few other performers. Um, when we had Pearl Noir over here a few months ago, I did speak to her about it as well, and she was incredibly supportive. Um, and, you know, she was offering to put me in touch with some of the legends that are still going, even though they've lost their hearing as well. And yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think that for me has been the biggest kind of dark cloud I guess over my career but um, I'm not going to let it stop me Um, I'm gonna just keep adapting and growing Um, because that's the best thing to do is to find new ways and 
with the uh, art company I'm involved in, there's a lot of pe- people who are completely deaf and are dancers and choreographers. So Absolutely. I know that I've got a, a great network of people I can utilize and speak to about these things. Wow. I mean, that's really, I, I love your approach to that. I mean, that's really wonderful that you can, you know, you acknowledge it, you know, you're calling it the dark cloud. I mean, it's there yeah. and it's a possibility that might, you know, deteriorate in the future, but you know, you've got this network of people supporting you and you're, you know, reaching out for help from other people outside that particular community as well, like with Pro Noir and some of the other legends. I think that's amazing. Yeah, well, it's it can actually be quite handy because with all the traveling we do, if there's screaming children mm-hmm. on the train, I just take my hearing aids out and everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I suppose there are sometimes I wish I didn't have to hear yeah. everything that's happening around me. <laughs> that sounds incredibly privileged. I'm sorry, I don't mean it like that, but... <laughs> Uh, times where it's like oh sweet relief (laughs) yeah yeah absolutely well it makes me think of I mean I'm not sure if you um I know you all over in the UK you have your own version of Dancing with the Stars I'm sure but um actually just this last season I believe what's that I think it's just Dancing with the Stars as well here Uh, yeah yeah I mean I I think it's the model guy who uh, yeah 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 and I think he I mean spoilers but I think he won did he end up winning I believe he did um I remember seeing some of his stuff when he was on um America's Next Top Model ah uh, oh that's right I forgot he was on that that's that's why he was a star (laughs) yeah okay well there was a a video that kind of went a bit viral of him uh, explaining um how it was to be deaf to some of the other contestants um so I've kind of been aware of him from there it was, I mean, it was amazing. I don't really watch the show very much, but my mother does. So if I am kind of, you know, hanging <laughs> oh, out with her, yeah, she'll yeah. like, you know. You're in it for the costumes, don't lie. <laughs> it's true. It's the costumes and the whole production. I love when they do the real elaborate numbers and everything. Yeah. So she'll be like, you know, you need to see this number. And especially with um, with him, and I, uh, pardon me for forgetting his name, but because he was deaf and still like this amazing, amazing dancer. I mean, that to me, that was really inspirational, even though I don't at the moment, knock on wood, I mean, I don't have hearing problems, but you know, any problems that we have in our lives, any disabilities, any, whether they're mental or physical, I mean, we can work through them. I mean, if the fact that he can win a huge ballroom dancing competition and I mean, and win it on his own merit, yeah. not because of any sort of pity votes, you know? So really one is. of his routines and yes. <laughs> Yeah, he was good. Pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) Not too shabby. Well, that's that's great that you uh, that you're you know working through that. I I can only imagine how difficult it it, it can be to have that kind of thing hanging over your head. So let's move on to talking about kind of the performances in general. When you're getting ready for a show, what is one of your biggest preparation secrets? Well, when I'm getting um, when I'm just about to work walk onto the stage, um, I try and take a bit of time quiet time and just practice breathing kind of kind of a bit of a meditation type thing um just to psych myself up uh because even now I still get a bit nervous I try and deny it but I do (laughs) I do get a bit nervous still going on stage um so I think taking that time out because backstage is lovely and supportive and friendly and occasionally very very funny which is great for calming your nerves when you're getting ready but when you're just about to go on you need to get that kind of mindset of going out there and just bloody rocking the thing I guess (laughs) yeah 
in that instant before you go on stage, do you have different things that you do based on what number you're doing? Like if you're doing like a slower number, do you kind of calm down? Or if it's a more high energy, you kind of hype yourself up? Or is it kind of a standard thing? It's generally standard. But uh, there is one routine I do, which has become my uh, signature routine called Blue Martini. And um, it's quite an angry act, really. Um, I, I created that act at after coming back from LA and going for a really difficult uh, life change, um, pr- pretty much everything in my life changed. Um, mm. So it was a, a way of my feelings being expressed. But I found that if I get angry or if I have something that goes wrong in the first act and I'm doing that second, it always goes really well because I get that anger out. So I don't intentionally get out there and try and... <laughs> get angry for no reason or whatever <laughs> but um if i have just found that if i am it works <laughs> there you go <laughs> yeah. but nowadays I, I can just think about the you know various things happening in politics and i'll do the job oh, <laughs> yeah, i'll be good enough. to go <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think um i think our two countries we both have that <laughs> that opportunity right it's a yeah it, we use it to our advantage i suppose I think, I think we both understand i think it's getting to that point it's a bit romeo and juliet really like we're all just gonna have to run off and <laughs> <laughs> i'm about to that point yeah <laughs> So how about self-care? I mean, I, I'm a person who believes that self-care is really important in whatever form that takes. Um, so what is your favorite practice for, for taking care of yourself? Nowadays, I never used to be, but nowadays I'm quite a healthy eating nut. Um, mm-hmm. So I do have a, a, an all-vegan diet, um, raw food, low-sugar kind of diet, which sounds really boring, but it's actually not too bad. Um, plus, I feel so much better for yeah. making that change. Um but uh, do a lot of things like uh, yoga as well, um, which is a great way of having some time for yourself. Because mm-hmm. when you get busy in the scene or you're helping other people or you know various other things are going on, it's nice to just stop for even just an hour and just be in a nice, quiet, reflective space. Absolutely. Uh, because, uh, you know, I've, I've been quite open um about various mental health issues i've gone through in the past um which has kind of led to me being a bit like the camp counselor of burlesque in the uk so i get a lot of uh, (laughs) people coming to me with uh, various issues or things they're going through but just because they know that i've been so open about these things that Mm -hmm. they can speak to me and they know that I'll, i'll give them a straight answer so that has actually been quite nice uh, to feel that not only have I got to the point that I have been able to start helping myself, but I'm able to help so many other people. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's that's what we can we can do as human beings, right? As we, yeah. we take care of ourselves, of course, that's, that's, you know, probably primarily important. I mean, just because if, you know, you don't look out for yourself first, nobody else will. Yeah, and, true. you know, if you can't, it's just like on the airplanes when they say affix your own mask first, because then otherwise you won't be able to help anybody else. Yeah. You know, well, it's only after I had the year off and mm-hmm. got better and came back that I was actually able to really help other people. And um, because you do need to look after yourself first, otherwise you're not going to be as able for others and so it has made a a huge change to be open about these things because I I just don't I don't believe personally that mental health is the taboo that people seem to think it is um it's very much a, a undiscussed 
hidden thing that most mm-hmm. people are secretly going through. And, uh, you know, the main thing about self-care is being able to admit not only to yourself, but when you do need help, you need to be able to talk to others. Absolutely. And I mean, actually, that's a perfect kind of transition, so to speak, um, into kind of a newer section that I've been doing called Controversy Corner, right? Where we we kind of talk about something that is, you know, often controversial in this kind of performance world, the cabaret, burlesque, all of that, cre- or even creative community. Um, and I thought it would be really interesting to talk, Not it's not, maybe it's not quite so controversial, but more of just having like this discussion around, because that's, you know, that was one of the first posts I ever saw from you was talking about your, you know, your uh, seminar, I think, or a workshop on burlesque and mental health. And so I'd love to, you know, hear what you have to say about, about the idea of, of having this mental health. And, and I love that, you know, you talk about taking a break and taking that time for yourself. So I have quite a few questions kind of along that, but I'd love to (laughs) just kind of start with just like your general thoughts. You mentioned how it, you know, it has this stigma that it doesn't need to have. So do you want to elaborate on that at all? Well, it's quite well known that a lot of, um, people who do choose to perform and not just in this scene but actors comedians uh, writers uh, a lot of people that are very expressive and very out there are secretly going through various different mental health issues um i think it's quite well documented it's quite well known that it is a very common thing but as um the less performers we generally put out this very very shiny very very polished versions of ourselves all the time um so I know that people have struggled with trying to stay in character um but also these days with a lot of uh, social media stuff there's always these uh you know people saying how well they're doing and it makes other people feel bad or mm. you know there's this uh very strange mix um because I I know a lot of people that are going through the same issues or have had the same problems as me. Um, and I've spoke to quite a lot of other performers about it and, um, they found that it does help to be a bit more open with it. So where do you think that, um, that balances between, because I've been listening, I mean, again, people who listen to the podcast know how obsessed I am with Brene Brown. Are you familiar with Brene Brown? No, I don't think I am. She's an American, um, I think, she, I mean, she started as just more of a, like a um, sociologist, I think, just studying or, um, I, actually, I forget her exact academic background, but more of a scientist studying these things. But she's become one of the foremost um, researchers and, and um, at least disseminating the information about shame yeah. and uh, vulnerability and things like that. And so she talks about this idea of, you know, being open and vulnerable, but also knowing where that line is, because you don't want to like just dump everything out all the time on everybody. Yeah. So from your perspective, how do you kind of find that balance? Like, like, for example, for me, you know, I, I, I think I've been kind of open about the fact that I am, I'm an undiagnosed, but I believe I'm bipolar, you know, but I, I struggle with like, where do I, I want to be open. I want to be vulnerable, but I also don't want to just like have that be everything and just put, you know, have that kind of like a dump truck dumped out all the time. So where do you think that balance lies? Well, it's, it's interesting when you say, um, you have that openness and vulnerability, but really, mm. on stage as performers, we have that open vulnerability, but it's also combined with a very much a strength, mm. just for getting up and going on stage. It takes an awful lot of strength. It, it is a weird juxtaposition. It kind of mirrors mm-hmm. the 
emotional state that quite a lot of people might be going through. Um, That's a good point. Yeah. yeah because so, in, in one sense, I know Brene Brown mentions about how really vulnerability, we all view it as weakness, but it really is strength in the yeah. end. You know? Yeah. It's like the, the main thing I hear from people is that they say, oh, I don't have the confidence to get up and be on stage. Um, mm. People seem to want to do it, but they, they just don't feel body confident or they don't feel mm-hmm. uh, personally confident. But um, I always say that, you know, that it isn't confidence. Confidence isn't what people uh, are using to go on stage. It's self-assurance. Mm. Um, yeah, I saw a post that you had about that. Yeah, That's interesting. Was, Do you want to go into that a little bit more? Yeah, well, I'm I'm not a confident person. I'm very much not body confident. Um, I've never really liked the way I look or any of those kind of things. But as I've gotten older, I've got a lot more self-assured in myself. Um, I, I know that if I get on stage, I, I'm going to do a, a fairly good job. And um, mm-hmm. But also with how I relate to other people as well, you need that self-assured um, mindset before you uh, have conversations with others about performing or uh, backstage. Because if you are unsure of yourself, you're not really going to give the full self out there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm hoping that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's one of those interesting things because I think some people might think of confidence and self-assurance as almost the same thing. But really, you're right. I mean, you make some good points and and I think I can kind of see the difference. Do you want to go into that a little bit more as far as what is really the difference between being self-assured and being confident? Yeah, well, I, I get the feeling from a lot of people that uh, for confidence, they think that they would look in the mirror and go, yeah, I'm looking damn fine or <laughs> um, liking the, the body or, you know, the various things that basically society has told them not to like. Um, so mm-hmm. women looking at their cellulite or looking at circled pictures of cellulite in these um, horrible gossip magazines and mm-hmm. being told, look how gross that is when 95% of women have it. It's it's that um, I always equate the confidence to feeling that you are happy with your body and you're happy with your looks because that's uh, the way that a lot of people have related to me when they say I, I wish I was more confident. They generally follow that up with I need to lose weight though. As, ah. No, you don't. <laughs> Who, As like a qualifier that? almost. That's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, I, I don't like that. The mindset now is that burlesque is for fit bodies or petite bodies or people who are young or, you know, um, because I do hear it a lot. People saying uh, I'm too old now or I need to lose weight or I need to do this or I need to do that. It's like, no, you don't. You don't have to change any part of yourself except for accepting yourself as you are. So self-assurance, that's learning how to accept every bit of you and every single mark or flaw or piece of you that people aren't going to focus on. Because if you get up on stage and you're, you know, you're bringing your, your act to life, no one's going to be like, wow, she was great, but she did have a bit of cellular, like, like 95% of people. Absolutely. So... <laughs> So would you say that like confidence would be kind of like, you know, being happy with yourself, whereas self-assurance is accepting what you are and knowing what you have to offer, kind of? Well, the self-acceptance and self-assurance, that would 
eventually lead to genuine confidence. Gotcha. Instead of like something that you kind of yeah, you kind of are portraying are and fake. Thinking, yes, I've I've um, been at the gym for three years straight and got a big job and now I'm confident because you, you, we all know like we've seen those stories of people who have lost loads of weight or got loads of surgery and they are never really happy at the end um, mm-hmm. if you're trying to chase an unachievable unrealistic goal that has been not set for you by yourself but by society's standards mm-hmm. you're never going to feel confident but if you learn to like love yourself and be self-assured and know that you are an amazing person and you're, you're going to be great on stage and people are going to love it, then that's a lot more important. Do you think that self-assurance then is something that we can kind of learn and, and develop? And adapt, whereas confidence is like something that like just kind of is a result of it that we can't quite make. I can't make myself be more confident, but I can work on becoming more self-assured. Yeah. Because a, a lot cool. of people, uh, they say they want to gain confidence or have yeah, to feel more yeah. confident. It's like, well, you have to learn to love yourself first. You have to learn to that you need to accept your looks and your body and your movements and your style and your vision um, because they, it's all part and parcel towards feeling like a more confident person because you've attained it through hard work on the self not hard work on the outer shell of your body that's going to change constantly anyway. (laughs) I love that. I really like that distinction Um, because, like you said, we all talk about wanting to be more confident. I want to, you know, have that. And where really maybe we're looking at the wrong thing and we're focusing on the wrong thing. Yeah. That's cool. I think we are because uh, people are focusing on the things that uh, have been drilled into us from a young age Mm -hmm. of this is – what what you want to have you want to be like this person or you want to look like this person when really we need to all learn how to um accept ourselves for who we are and what Mm -hmm. we are and what we want to do um because there's been too much um trying to box off people for far too long and i I agree 16 for fuck's sake right have we not moved past this yet yeah (laughs) Yeah. it's, it just gets to the point of ridiculous sometimes, and I think we need to, uh, as a as a society, not only just as a scene, but kind of look at the weird circus show that's going on within the uh, mass media that's trying to tell us constantly that we don't want butts, or we now we do want butts, but they have to be like huge butts, or you know, we can't, right. you cannot change your body to fit fashion. Yeah, you make fashion fit you. That's it. You're wearing the dress, yeah. you know. <laughs> Seems like I feel that we're kind of making the first baby steps in that direction. I feel like the conversation is more than it was 10 years ago as far as differing standards of beauty and things like that. It's still not fixed, but it feels like we're kind of moving in the right way. Would you agree? I would think so. I think that um, with with social media and online celebrity, um, it's got to the point where the uh, people are choosing who they want to see, who they want to make yeah. celebrity, rather than these uh, sort of celebrities we're being told are celebrities. 
people that are being thrust <laughs> onto our TVs and into our magazines. Kardashians. <laughs> excuse yeah, me, oh, excuse oh, me, sorry. <laughs> sickness coming back a little bit there. You had a little bit of a cough, I think. Uh, but, <laughs> oh, excuse me so much. <laughs> oh, it's fine, don't worry. Uh, yeah, it, it is basically the the people that we're constantly being told we should emulate. Mm-hmm. And do people not realize that the people we're being told to emulate now are completely different than five years ago than 10 years ago 15 years ago we need to learn to accept everyone and every look and every aesthetic snaps to that girl snaps to that absolutely I agree 100% and and that's why I love something like you know the areas like burlesque and body positivity and I love that you know I know that there are different campaigns a few different ad campaigns here in the U.S. that have been you know focusing more on, you know, general standards of beauty, not, not, not standards, but general beauty, you know, of, of all different yeah. uh, shapes and sizes it and everything. It has started to come a bit like that. Um, but Getting we there. have um, our, well, not our, because I live in Liverpool, but the mayor <laughs> of London <laughs> um, has banned adverts on tubes um, that cause sort of body shaming style adverts. Um, so if you remember really? a few years ago, there was an advert put out uh, in the London tube station saying, are you beach body ready? Oh. Uh, with a picture of a very skinny girl in a bikini on there. Um, and the mayor of London has banned any advertisements of this sort. That's Completely, awesome. Which is great. And I think it's something that needs to be spread about a bit. Like It needs to become a more frequent thing that we're seeing non-photoshopped, non-tucked, non <laughs> You know, absolutely. We need to just because see real people because we are real people. And if they want to sell to real people, then show us some real people. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. Because unfortunately, like that is a, like a lot of the money comes from the fact that you know, any any sort of like making us feel inadequate, you know, whether it's body or, you know, emotion or whatever. I mean, like that's how you sell is by making people feel like they're not good enough. Yeah. Right. And if you buy this thing, then you will be good enough. Yeah. And so that's that's been the general approach. But I don't believe that's the only approach to selling things no, you know what I mean I think it's um it, it's a big issue nowadays for a lot of women and also a lot of men um mm-hmm. uh, there's constantly that uh, message out there that's telling us we're, we're just not right yet yeah. no matter who you are and what you do even those models on those billboards have been photoshopped so even mm-hmm. those models aren't right if they're not right what chance have we got yeah, I can. All, I always like think about what that must be like as you know a model or a, you know a, a quote beautiful actress, you yeah. know, one that standard definition. But and then you see your you know you tr- you worked so hard for this magazine cover or this billboard or whatever, and then you see it come out and it's not you. Yeah. Like how must that feel? You know, we always talk about for the rest of us that like I'm not that you know I'm not that either. But they're not that either, and I, I just imagine what it must be like for them yeah, well, to deal with that. I've had um, uh, one time where I was sat with. Uh, a photographer while they were photoshopping my pictures mm-hmm. and they were like smoothing out my skin and getting rid of pores and all of this kind of stuff um oh. so uh, it is it is weird because I have uh, a lot of my pictures have been photoshopped but I did actually publish uh, a while ago I think it was on my Instagram account it was a non-photoshopped and the photoshopped image next to each other so people could see oh, yeah. I, because I, I, I am quite a petite person. I'm, I'm like a UK six, which I think it's a uh-huh. two in America. So oh, wow, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm quite. Small. <laughs> I, you know, I still have plenty of curves, and I've still got tits and an ass. But <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, but uh, 
it, there was a huge difference between the two. Mm. I had been made skinnier and given a tiny sort of Barbie waist. Um, it's it's something that's quite common for everyone, mm-hmm. um, especially like people who are involved in the scene. I'm sure we've all had those Photoshop pictures put out there. Um, and the weird yeah. thing is, is actually getting abuse from people for having Photoshop pictures. Well, yeah. I did actually have people comment me a couple of times saying, well, I wish I could get my photos as Photoshopped as yours. And it's like... <laughs> Well, you can mm-hmm. just you know it's a program you can buy it. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> it's not that hard to hire what, somebody. Or whatever. Really, you know, if you're going to see me on stage, you know, I'm. I have pores and I have cellulite, and mm-hmm. I'm never going to try and hide that because, for a start, how can I? Apart from a shitload of clothes pegs pinned up <laughs> under my ass cheeks, I don't really know. Um, but it is that. Uh, that strange aesthetic because we're so used to seeing people photoshopped mm-hmm. and it's also it's weird to see yourself not photoshopped indeed well and that's i mean it's a good thing that we're still in the controversy corner here because that is also yeah. another thing we could, we could go on and on about i'm sure is like because photoshop has its purposes and there are moments when i've gotten photos back from photographers and i'm like man i look good and this you know like yeah. it's a great photo. and then i realize wait a minute I didn't, I was not that skinny that day. Like that was, you know, I was bloated or something, you know, like where you realize the amount because, you know, a lot of times we don't even know, we get them back from photographers and we're not sure whether they've been Photoshopped or how much or anything like that. But so there's like a place for Photoshop and we all like to have, you know, these doctored images that look like something that could be in a magazine almost or, or wherever, but at the same time, it's not portraying the real us. So how can we use that as promotion? Like it's hard. Well, it's that weird thing that uh, photoshopped images of yourself, it's a confidence boost and a confidence knock at the same time. Yeah, yeah. So you've seen those pictures and you're like, wow, I look great or I look amazing and people are going to tell me I look great. They're going to comment and they're going to like and they're going to be like, that's hot or whatever right. they want to say. But then you're like, that's not really what I look like. Yes, um, yes exactly. So it, it's that you'll get that um, instance facebook boost and uh mm-hmm. that feeling i don't know what that feeling would be i mean is there a is there a word for the feeling of elevation you get from posting things on facebook i guess <laughs> there should be do <laughs> like, you make up a word for this i, I, I don't know yeah um, <laughs> some social media high yeah, type i got thing. my real yeah. face boost that day and <laughs> face boost i love it sold it's good i'm writing it down face okay. boost <laughs> on twitter you can call it twatter um so <laughs> I love it. Yeah, um, I got really good Twitter feedback, and um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But then you you are going to know at the back of your mind this isn't how I look. This is you know I I have a bit of a, a little stomach there, or I have I, I know that there's like a scratch down there, or you know all those little things because then it 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 makes you kind of think, wow, I must not have been perfect, or I must not be as good as I could be because there's a better version of me right there. So once again, I guess it's just like finding that balance between presenting something that yeah. makes you proud, I mean, really, you know, makes you feel good. Of course, but uh, also you don't want to put pictures of yourself out where you think you look like shit. Like, exactly. you know, it's, uh, it's the same reason I take fifteen or twenty different Snapchat selfies before I actually put one, you yeah, know, send one exactly. or put it on my story. <laughs> you do it like well done. Yeah, we we all do it. We all have that weird sense of 
wanting that internet vanity, that internet, um, uh, what would the word be? I'm trying to, yeah, just that internet approval of yeah. Facebook likes and Instagram likes and retweets mm-hmm. and all of those things. But really, they you don't get internet points. You can't redeem internet points for anything that's actually worthwhile. It's true. I wish you could, but yeah, you pretty really can't. So if I, I've got fifty internet points, can I buy those shoes now? <laughs> there you go. Oh, that would be amazing. Maybe that's your type of Instagram where you get money for likes. <laughs> God, no, 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 oh God. <laughs> that, that would just kind of feed this whole thing, wouldn't it? So yeah. no, it's interesting. I mean, it's interesting, and that's why I like to kind of talk about these topics because, and I, I love where our conversation kind of took us because it's really there's no right or wrong answer for these things. It's just kind of talking about them and getting that conversation started at least because the more we're talking about it, the more we can, you know, hear different perspectives and think about what, what we're doing in our own lives. So before we move on to our last few sections here, I do want to, I would love to know when you are performing, when you're heading backstage, what is one thing that you always have in your burlesque backstage kit? Ooh, um, I have an absolutely ginormous makeup bag. Um, I love makeup uh, absolutely I am a complete makeup addict um, <laughs> if you ever see my Instagram uh, account it's loads of makeup looks and um, makeup things that I bought like the other day I bought a, a NARS palette that was an Andy Warhol self-portrait in eyeshadow oh wow but just to have it because I can't I didn't know that. they had existed <laughs> I know <didn't laughs> I until I found it so I'm having that yeah. Uh, but yeah it's like I will never be able to use that because I will ruin poor Andy Warhol's face if I did um so it's mm. that's just going to be a palette that's there for showing it at people <laughs> and then putting it carefully back in the box like uh kind of like those comic book collectors but for makeup palettes <laughs> Keep it in its packet. Um, yeah, don't open it. it. Don't touch don't. it. Don't use your fingers in there. Um, right. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I generally have a, a lot of different uh, bits and pieces of makeup, um, but generally not all of it f- just for myself. Like I, I, I try to uh, give tips on bits of makeup and such, like um, whenever I can. So I had a show a few months ago where there was a singer on and. She was amazing, and her stage name was Violet. And uh, I had this purple eye glitter, like a loose glitter. And mm-hmm. I said, right, use this stuff, pat that on it. Mm-hmm. It'll just really bring your eyes out. So she did it. And when I could see her on stage, I could see the glitter on her lids just bringing out her eyes, and it just made oh, that's a great. huge impact. So in the end, I was like, keep it. Keep the glitter you need to that. and she sent me a photo not long after when she'd done it again um so because I think I actually applied it for her as well so now <laughs> she's got trying out a new look so uh, I'm, a, I'm a little bit too generous in that sense like I keep giving away my makeup <laughs> no but that's sweet though like yeah. we said half on you know lipstick <laughs> was twenty dollars take it <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right well maybe your wallet doesn't love that as much but I'm sure the people no, the no, beneficiaries no, 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 do appreciate it so keen on that I generally take this big um makeup box with me which I've covered in stickers from various shows and I'm always yeah. looking for new stickers as well so like other performers and other shows oh, that's so, cool. so that I can absolutely cover it um, it looks like a bit of like a Clarissa explains it all burlesque makeup carry case. Oh, cool. <laughs> That's really neat. That's really neat to have. Yeah. Plus there's always going to be that person who goes, oh no, I forgot my eyelashes or does anyone have any glue? Does anyone have scissors? You know, so. Um, That's true. I'm, yeah. I'm not going to lie. That's usually me. 
All right, so this next little section is called Pick Your Poison, and this is a chance for us to get to know you just kind of as a human being a little bit better, little quirky things. And I have 11 different questions. I'm not going to ask you all of them. What I'm going to have you do is just pick one of the 11. So any number, one through 11. Well, my lucky number is four. Mine too. Uh (laughs) Yeah, let's go with number four. (laughs) All right, number four. What do you typically order? What's your go-to order at the either the bar or the coffee shop? depending on which one you go to more frequently. <laughs> Ooh, I like um, a Manhattan Perfect. Ooh, very yeah. fancy, Millie. I know. Mm. It's, a, it's a very nice, very alcoholic drink. Um, so I love it. It goes down really easy. So it took me a while to go, do I want it dry? No, I don't want it sweet. How do I want it? But Manhattan Perfect, spot on. That's good. And that's one of those that you know, like, won't change. It shouldn't, anyway, change in different bars, right? Because some of them, they'll do, like, even a Sex on the Beach, for example, or some other, like, foo-foo cocktails, they'll do a little bit different at different places. And then you never know. But that's a very classic. I like the Manhattan because it's very international as well. Because I had very good Manhattans when I was up in Glasgow the other day. I did a good Manhattan. (laughs) Yeah, it's good. All right, and then our last little section is called This or That, and this is uh, kind of our quick-fire round where I'm going to give you two options, and you pick the one you prefer. And you can prefer that for whatever reason. You can really interpret these in any way you like. We'll just leave it at that. You can interpret them however you want. Does that sound good? (laughs) Yeah, sure. (laughs) All right. I say tentatively. (laughs) Yeah, she's like, I'm a little nervous about this. Don't worry, it's not that bad. All right. Now, I don't know if this one applies in the UK as much, but how about Starbucks or Dunkin' Donuts? Oh, um, we now have Krispy Kreme. We don't have Dunkin' Donuts. Okay. But we now have Krispy Kremes. Um, So let's say Starbucks or Krispy Kreme. Yeah, for me, it's definitely Starbucks. Um, Simply because I I can't eat anything in Krispy Kreme, sadly. Fair enough. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the whole thing. Donuts there, huh? Okay. um, (laughs) Yeah. How about city or country? Ooh, country. Movies or TV shows? TV shows, because you can't binge watch movies. Amen, sister. I oh, used yeah. to be a big movie fan, but now I've totally changed. Yeah. Yeah, and they're good well, now. TV shows have become really good, like good yeah. quality. I think it's a, it's a thing that has, maybe it's developed along with Valeth, because uh, I know very much in the UK, when mm-hmm. we all started out many, 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 many years ago, um, <laughs> we didn't really do too much costume stuff. Because mainly we didn't know how and we didn't know what to do. We didn't know what was expected, I guess. Um, so we kind of stitch on some fringing and go, yep, it's good. <laughs> so you could do that in one film. Mm-hmm. Whereas nowadays I'll spend about three days rhinestoning one shoe. Wow, um, yeah. So having a Netflix account and just binge watching absolutely anything. We're starting to run out of things because I, I did a lot of costuming this year. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> All right, now I think I know the answer to this next one, but we'll ask it anyway. Dita Von Teese or Dirty Martini? Dirty Martini, all the way. She's such a genuine, lovely, warm person. And for someone that's done so well in the scene and done so much and lived so much traveling around and meeting millions of performers, she's just Mm -hmm. absolutely amazing with everyone she meets. She's always smiling. She's always hugging. She's very genuine yeah mm-hmm. and that's really that to me is what uh, a burlesque star should be 
Amen. I, I agree. I want my ballestas approachable and mm-hmm. boob squeezable. Yes, okay. please. <laughs> you know, um, I don't want them like this separate entity, this sort of uh, weird detached celebrity mm. type thing, I guess. Uh, this, it just doesn't feel like we're all part of the same seed if you get people that act that way. You know, everyone should take a, de- a leaf out of Dirty Martini's book. Definitely. <laughs> Agreed. Now, how about a Dirty Martini or a pint of beer? Oh, I'd have to go with a Dirty Martini again. I'm not a beer drinker. You know, unless it's a shandy. Really, it's very refreshing when it's hot. But a Dirty how Martini about- will get you drunker. Both there, absolutely. It's a new priorities, I suppose. <laughs> how about day or night? Ooh, I think I'm a bit more of a night owl. I don't intend to be, but it just keeps happening. So what about Harry Potter or Star Wars? Oh, Star Wars. Absolutely, yes. definitely Star Wars. I am actually working on something Star Wars related, which yeah, will be coming soon. Oh, a little teaser there. I can't wait. Yeah. <laughs> I will tell you all about it when we're not recording. <laughs> Sounds like a plan. <laughs> How about top or bottom? Uh, in in what context? <laughs> Any interpretation that you so choose. You could be talking about bunk beds. You could be talking about. Uh, I um, know what I'm talking about, and I'm definitely on top. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> we all know. Let's be real. What about mountains or ocean? Mountains. I like a good hike, and I love a good abseil. Classic or neo burlesque? Neo. Uh, classics very much got its place, but for me, Absolutely. I think neo burlesque is kind of anything from late fifties onwards, personally, because it ha- it was such a big thing for such a long time beforehand. Mm-hmm. So I I think more of that bump and grind and um, really embracing the sexuality a lot more is neo to me mm-hmm. than those uh, skirt dancers of old. How about uh, peanut butter or jelly? Peanut butter. Comedy or tragedy? Oh, comedy. Who wants some tragedy? We've got enough of that shit going on. <laughs> How about Marvel or DC? Oh, Marvel. Um, after what DC did with Wonder Woman. Oh, I'm also, yeah, I you can actually see me in a Marvel film if you look close enough. <laughs> Which one? Um, the first Captain America. What? Yeah. When? Um, Where? Why? What? I, Tell me details. I was the one of the tourists in the uh, car chase scene. <gasps> I'm gonna watch it frame bus. by frame, yeah. and I'm gonna find. I stood next to the bus thing um, when the taxi, and the sound of blanks are fucking scary. <laughs> <laughs> but I haven't seen it. I haven't spotted myself personally, but others have told me they did. I don't know if they're just lying to try and make me feel better. But yeah, I don't. <laughs> all right. And how about sleep or sex? Oh, my husband's gonna hate me, but definitely sleep. I, There's something about a good night's sleep. Uh, mm. You cannot beat it. And with the amount of work that I seem to have been doing the past year, any sleep I can get, oh, <laughs> so, so. take advantage of it. Yeah. <laughs> and lastly, how about heels or bare feet? Oh, see, I'm gonna go with be uh, awkward and go with both. Both? Yeah, no. because I wear heels on stage, but then once I take them off, that's when the real action starts. Oh, I like yeah. it. I have to answer <laughs> <for> that one. <laughs> All right. Well, before we go ahead and wrap this up, I would love to know. I mean, the, I always say, I always say this: the internet is a vast place. There's a lot of different things going on. How do you typically stay current on the world of burlesque and what's going on and all of that? Uh, I 
I'm not brilliant at staying current, it would be. And I have a lot of people going, oh, have you heard of this person or met this person? I'm like, no, I'm so sorry. There's there's a lot of it now to keep up, up to date with. Um, but it is great to be able to see updates from people all over the world and see what people are doing in so many different places. Um, mm-hmm. But there's also, I know this This doesn't really overly relate to the question, but I feel it's something that's worth saying. Because like, I know a lot of people, um, when they scroll through, through Facebook or they'll see various updates um, and they'll feel bad because they're not doing that or mm-hmm. they're wondering, like, why aren't I booked for that or that kind of thing. And I just think that we really now as a scene and as a community, if we see someone doing something amazing, we need to be like, good for them. Yeah. yeah absolutely. You know, that's great for them. They've got their thing going on and people need to concentrate on their own thing because maybe they'll be uh, swapping situations where they'll see your status update and be like, Oh, I wish I was doing that. So we just sure. need to learn how to, as a scene, use Facebook to be, like, yeah, you go. <laughs> You're amazing. You deserve this Definitely. rather than using it to create or cause drama. I agree. I mean, it's that whole double-edged sword of social media, yeah, right? Where it's, it's like, so, I mean, it, keep, it allows you to keep in touch and get to know people that you wouldn't normally. I mean, I never would be, like, talking to you if it weren't for yeah, Facebook. Yeah, I've met so but, many people through it um, that I've mm-hmm. met in person and no, such. No. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's that uh, Facebook envy, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. As a team, we need to learn how to go, right, this is a thing, definitely happens, let's all accept that this happens, and it's just a psychological thing that not any people can really control, but if your first thought is, how are they doing this, blah, 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 and your second thought is to think, well, they don't deserve it, I do, that's Mm -hmm. quite a crap way of uh, looking at things, like, really, if your first thought is, oh, I wish I was doing that, your follow-up thoughts should be good on them. That looks amazing. I bet they're having a great time. Definitely. Agreed with that, 100%. So what about on YouTube? Um, I'd love to hear from you two different um, videos, if you know them any off the top of your head. One of yours, if you have them up on YouTube or um, or Vimeo or wherever you have them. And then one also that maybe it's of someone you know, maybe it's of something totally not blessed related, but that you've been watching lately that you can't get enough of or that you thought was really great or funny or inspiring or anything like that. Yeah, well, um, one of my absolute favorite YouTube videos to get up, and I probably get it up all the time <laughs> because I absolutely <laughs> love this act, uh, but Nasty Canasta uh, with her car alarm fan dance. Oh. It's just so innovative. It's so well done, um, and it's just I, I really want to see it live one day. Um, it's amazing. It's, it's just absolutely brilliant. A really good way of thinking about burlesque in an entirely new perspective and from a new angle that you wouldn't expect, but it has such a brilliant end result. Oh, sweet. I'll check that out. Yeah. And do you have videos of yourself up as well? I Any of your do, apps? but I, I don't like watching videos of myself. <laughs> Oh, but I'm sure we would love to see something. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. Um, I um, I have a little teaser of my Catwoman act uh, on there, which was filmed at one of my own shows. And uh, the lighting guy, because we've known each other for years and worked together for years, he managed to get the lighting to flash as the whips crept. Oh, that's so amazing! It looks really cool. Um, it's only a very short video of the very beginning, so that's perfect. You, you yeah. can't see much in the way of flesh, but 
That's uh, okay. It's a good idea of what it is the act is about, and it has been approved by Julie Newmar herself. Nice. So, oh, wow. That's yeah. impressive. <laughs> yeah. <Good. sent> her <laughs> She's like, yeah, she likes it. Um, so, yeah, I'd say check that one out and uh, maybe see it live one day. <laughs> Yes, I hope I hope to do that anyway. <laughs> so for everybody listening, um, you'll be able to check out uh, the, the, these videos as well as everything else that we mentioned um, in this episode over at the homepage for Millie's episodes, which will be at burlesquestripdown.com slash Millie, M-I-L-L-I-E. And you'll be able to get in touch with Millie should you want to know more or keep up with her or, you know, find her on Facebook and Instagram and all of that. Millie, what is the best way to get in touch with you and, and kind of learn about what it is that you do? Um, the best way would probably be, as you said, my Instagram, because I seem to post to there more okay. than anywhere else, mainly because I'm a quite visual person or mainly because I'm a vain twat. But um, either there or... We love Instagram. I love Instagram. Um, either there or on my Facebook page and also on the um, Big Brother Big Sister group you mentioned before, because I'm generally trying to give advice on there as often as I can, um, which does mean a lot of people message me now for advice too which I'm always happy to give if I can fabulous and you have a do you have a general website as well yep my website is milliedollar.co.uk fabulous I'll put all of those links over in that show notes page will be again burlesquestripdown.com slash millie m-i-l-l-i-e all right well I think that about wraps up our interview portion did you have anything else that you kind of wanted to share um, with the audience well I just want to share as I always try to share quite often online and in person is to share my love for the scene and everyone in it because you're all stunning, amazing, fabulous people. Oh, well, we love you too, Millie. Oh, so sweet. <laughs> it's important to remember because there have been times, I know even in like the, even in the Facebook group that we were talking about, yeah. you know, there are times when things get a little heated, shall we say, or, you yeah, know, there's, there's a little bit of controversy and all of that, but it's important to remember that we're all in this together and we're all, you know, supposed to be a family. Yeah. So <laughs> we're, we're definitely a family and I, I'm constantly telling my my sort of chosen burlesque family, how much I love them all the time. And they're probably sick of it. Like, oh my God, Millie's telling me she loves me again. But I love you, man. Yeah. <laughs> Spread the love, not the hate. Spread that love. Get it around. I love it. Actually, I, I remember, I think it was you, correct me if I'm wrong, that posted at one point in the Facebook group, um, more snatch, less snark. Was that you? Yeah, that was me. Um... <laughs> That's one of my favorite lines in the history of everything. I love it. Yeah. I love yeah. it. That, that was uh, that was me. Uh, I think that was another, but I'm trying to remember. It's like more grind, less something like, like <laughs> more grind, perfect. less grime. I don't know. But um. <laughs> <laughs> I actually just posted yesterday on my Instagram something. Uh, it was uh, less bitter, more glitter, which yes, I liked that. I like that's that. a good one. But I love the snatch and snark one. That's good. Yeah. Congratulations on that. That's my new life motto. <laughs> All right. Well, once again, everybody listening, definitely check us out later this week where we'll be posting a little hot tip and, and giving you some tips that Millie has to share. I know she has a lot to share from 10 years, over 10 years of performing. So definitely check back in then. Um, otherwise, like I said, last week we had um, the amazing Holly Rebel was on. So if you missed those episodes, go back and check that out. And Millie, I was amazing, amazing to get to know you. Thank you so much for coming on the interview today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And there you have it. 
really some great um, concepts, some great talk that we had. I love um, her, her discussion of the idea of confidence versus self-assurance. That was really, really amazing. Um, one of my favorite things that she said was talking about how, you know, our celebrities should be approachable and boob squeezable. <laughs> Isn't that such, I think that's such a perfect, not that we would ever, you know, go over, you know, as far as consent, you know, I would never just walk up to someone and squeeze their boob. But if I ask them, you know, be, it's nice when they're boob squeezable. <laughs> so that was a great thing. If you um, liked Millie and you want to find out more, just head on over to burlesquestripdown.com slash Millie, M-I-L-L-I-E. There you'll find the links to all of the things that we've talked about today, including, of course, um, her Facebook and website and all of that good stuff so that you can become a fangirl just like me. <laughs> but I have a feeling that she is also one of those approachable and boob squeezable uh, people that we can fangirl over as well. So when we finally do meet in person, it's going to be a good time. Um, as I mentioned, she's coming back with us on Thursday to have a really um, deep dive, in, uh, in-depth discussion of mental health and what it means to be a performer and to still be dealing with some of these issues. She has some good advice for that, as well as, just, like I said, just kind of starting the conversation and keeping that going. So definitely tune in later this week. Um, in the meantime, if you are wanting some more uh, burlesque strip down, which of course you are, some more Velvet Eau Claire in your life, there's never quite enough. <laughs> you can head back to last week's episode where I talked to Miss Holly Rebel, and we got into some really great things. And of course, before that, there was um, a highlights episode from uh, Ruby Jones, as well as my July favorites. And before that was Red Hot Annie. So you've got a huge, I mean, we're on episode number 41 right now. You've got a huge backlog of things to get caught up with. So definitely head back into those archives um, to hear all of the amazing, amazing women and men that I have had on this show. In the meantime, ladies and gentlemen, I, as always, so appreciate your um, listening ears, your connection, all of those. Please don't hesitate to connect with me via email, velvet at burlesquestripdown.com, website burlesquestripdown.com. You can, of course, leave a voicemail there. Facebook is Burlesque Stripped Down. Uh, Instagram is Velvet Eau Claire. Twitter is Velvet Eau Claire. I think that covers most of them at the moment that I've actually been active in. So don't hesitate to get in touch with me. I love to hear from you. Ladies and gentlemen, until next time, I hope that you stay sexy. Stay sexy.